Well, good morning. Glad to see you here this morning as we've come together to worship our Savior. Let's all stand together as we sing about the blessed cornerstone. Christ alone, 
stripes of blood that stained in spring shed to wash away our shame from the scars pure love release salvation from the mercy tree in Amen. 
Amen? Amen. Well, I want you to find someone that you have not talked to this morning and let them know that Jesus has provided the mercy tree. And also, on a special note, Keith and Sharon, this is their last Sunday here. Move into the hill country. Raymond, I think half of our church has moved to the hill country. I'm going to miss you all, so greet them too. Greet one another, church. Amen. As you make your way back to your seats, you may have a seat. And I'd like for you to pay close attention to Mr. Zach this morning. He has an announcement. Good morning, church family. Whoa, I love that. Awesome. Uh, so last Sunday was an amazing evening for the men in our church. We had a, almost 100 men uh, meeting over in the gym where we all had a wonderful steak dinner, and uh, we had 80 men sign up for small groups. So kudos to all you men out there. Now, I know you're all thinking, oh my gosh, I'm late. I didn't get a chance to sign up. Fear not. You can go <laughs> right outside at the Connection Center, and you can still sign up to be part of the men's ministry. If you don't know what group you're in, you can go out there and check out what group you're in, and you can call your group leader and you can figure out exactly when you're going to meet, things like that. I encourage you men, what do you want your story to be, okay? What do you want your God-driven story to be? I encourage you to sign up for this men's study. It's going to be amazing. You know, men need each other to sharpen each other, whether we're, you know, suffering through things. We have to bound together. So anyways, highly encourage you to get out there. Now, if you didn't get a book Sunday night, you can get a book out there. The hard copies will be in Thursday if you're a hard copy kind of guy. The soft copies are out there uh, right now. Uh, I'm inviting all the men in the church right now to join that, uh, that ministry in that group. It's going to be amazing. So also, you have an opportunity right now to come forward and uh, please come to the altar as I say a prayer over all the men in the church. So come on down. Don't be shy. If you're a man, come on down. Please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, 
God, Yahweh. We come to you as a church family um, and as men, we come to you. We know that we need you in our life, in every aspect of our life, our struggles, our wins, our disappointments, and our sadness, God. Um, as a church, we hurt. As men, we hurt. Sometimes it can be hard to acknowledge that in front of our wives and in front of you, God, um, the ultimate king and father um, who sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins is a perfect example of what a man should be. That's not the big man that's beating his chest. That's the humble man that comes to you, arms wide open, admitting that we can't do this without you, God. There's absolutely no way that we can go through this life. And if we try, we're going to fail, Lord. And I just ask your blessing upon these men of Westgate and this congregation that as wives, you would have them lift their husbands up to you. And God, that you would allow them to understand the struggles that men go through is that men can understand the struggles that our wives go through. But the only way we can do that is through communication with you daily and as men being honest with each other, God. I lift this men's ministry up. I lift up every single man uh, that's able to be here and that's not with us, Lord, and that these men here would be able to be a light for you out in our communities, in our different um, organizations and things that we serve in, God. But recognizing that we can't do any of it without a strong foundation with you, Lord. God, I just uh, I love you. We love you. Our church loves you. Um, Lord, just be with us as we continue to worship you today. And as we go our separate ways this evening, Lord, I would just ask that you put it on every man's heart to uh, bound themselves to you more tightly, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Join me as we sing together. Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people declare your mighty works, blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises as your people declare your mighty works blessed be the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come blessed be the lord god almighty reigns forevermore. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. 
Faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the ways you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. Watches o'er his own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. Your earnest plea, he will never forget. Wait on the Lord. Trust his word and be patient. Have faith in God, he'll answer yet. Have faith in God, he's on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches o'er his own. He cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith. God, though all else fail about you, have faith in God, he provides for his own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish, he rules, he reigns upon his throne. Have faith in God, he's on his throne, have faith in God. Watches or his own, he cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. When peace like a river attendeth my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. 
Just your voices. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Sing that chorus again. People of God said together. I think you guys are going to be pretty good singers when you grow up. It is great to hear you all sing like that. Keith, I know you got a word to share with us. I just found out a few minutes ago this is your last Sunday. I noticed you didn't tell me, so... Uh, Come up here and share something, Sharon. I'm not going to put that on you because you don't do those kinds of things. Keith always has something to say. <laughs> but we do want you to come up here in a moment so we can pray over you. Um, Keith, it's been great to have you guys at Westgate. And I, you know, a lot of people just slip out the back door and leaving and understand that. And, and I understand you don't want attention and all that. But uh, we don't want you to just leave quickly without us saying something or giving you a, a chance to say something. Hello. That sounds good. Uh, we've been here so long, our hair's turned white. And, uh, you know, I got to count, and that's been 20 plus years. Wow. So, pretty, pretty good while. Wow. Pretty is. good click. Got to do a lot of stuff here. Meet a lot of great folks here. Looking around, probably know most of you somehow, some way. But, uh, uh, yeah, we're going to miss you guys. 
and we're out for the next great adventure. So uh, thank y'all. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Sherry, come on down here and let us pray with you for a second. Just to, you know, coming into a church is important and leaving a church is important. We want to pray for y'all as you, as you head out. And uh, I'm guessing one or two friends will come up here and put their arms around you to pray around you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Sharon's friends will. Anyway, they'll come up here. <laughs> you know, I always remember um, when Keith kind of um, migrated back to the church, and uh, I remember him telling me, he said, Westgate is the uh, best-kept secret in Beaumont. And uh, we just continue to keep it a secret, and I hope that we will take heed to your words and not make it a secret and invite others to share in this fellowship. Uh, who's your closest friend here? <laughs> I would say Sharon. That's a good call. Bob, you feel comfortable praying over him. You played by him. You've listened to him. He never, he never played off of the sheet. He just made no. it up as he went. People don't know that. He's a natural talent. He can't. He he doesn't read music, and so he just make it up. Yeah. So, pray over him. He and Sharon. Love you guys. Hey, and be sure and stand out there in the atrium after the service so people can, uh, don't just run away. People want to tell you goodbye. You know, on the opposite extreme, you, you see us praying for somebody that's leaving. This may be your very first time at Westgate, and we are glad that you're here. You're going to see something like this in front of you. It's called a communication card. And if you would like to fill that out, put your name and phone number on there, we'd love to be in touch with you. If there's any way that we can tell you more about the church, help you make an entry into the church if you're thinking about that. Uh, we just want to kind of connect with you if that's all right. You can drop this card. There are two boxes out there. Uh, you can just drop those out in the atrium uh, after the service, but we're delighted that you're here as well. Those of you that are um, part of Westgate, you can use that to write down a prayer request as well or something that, that you might have a need for. Zach, thanks for the, uh, the great word about our men's ministry and the start of that. But I want to say our women's ministry really is, they are the ones that got the men's ministry going. I mean, they have been doing such a great job, and they just shamed us into saying, we got to do something too here. So, and what a great ministry the, wow, women of, ministry, women of Westgate have been doing. Uh, this week, they had a shower for the Hope Center, collected uh, items that are so necessary. We're in a great debate in our country right now about the issue of abortion and, and uh, those that stand on the opposition and uh, that believe that abortion is a good thing will accuse those who defend life of saying you don't, you don't really care about life. But the Hope Center is an organization that helps women to make the decision to keep their child and then they walk the journey of providing for them on the other side. And so thank you for doing that. There has been a little bit of contention from the women. I've heard the, the underpinnings, the, the, the rumbling of why did the men get a free steak dinner? Um, well, 
I, w- I went to a women's ministry, a, a, a women of Westgate event once, and uh, Catherine Entrickham wanted to know why we didn't have square there. And I, I square? Why? Do, what's a square? What, so people can pay. I said, we never pay around here. So women, I will say this: we will provide you with a free salad dinner whenever you are ready <laughs> for that. Now we we will throw the best dinner we can for you whenever you are ready, and we won't need a square or a credit card. It'll be free, and we'll even have a giveaway. Congratulations to you, Mike. Mike won something for the very first time in 74 years, right? All right. Mandates is a series that we are in right now talking about the commands that Jesus has given us, but not just the commands. Remember that Jesus said in his great commission to us, part of making disciples, the real essence of making disciples is teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, i.e. to follow after me. So as we think about that, we have to ask the question, why? Why is Jesus insisting that we obey his commands to observe all of them? Why and how? Those are good questions, right? Is Jesus just needing us to build up his persona by obeying him and he feels good that he can make us do that? No. Why? Well, first of all, because Jesus said so. Uh, You've all parented like that before. Just in that moment, you have said, because I said so. And as a parent, that's enough. Kids will say, well, no, it's not. I I need a reason for that. But because of your authority and your role, that is enough. And that's enough for Jesus, but it's deeper than that. Why did he say that? Because he wants us to experience life in all of its fullness. Every single person that has ever walked or ever will walk the face of the earth, Jesus wants them to experience eternal and abundant life. He gave us these commands for the redemption of humanity. That means to buy back what has been lost. And these commands help us to live life as God intended. These commands lead people to Jesus Christ and then it leads them to follow Jesus Christ so they can experience what God has desired and intended. We're better off as individuals for obeying the commands of Jesus and the people around us are better off. So why the commands? Did Jesus just give us these arbitrary commands, check a box, that you're being compliant? No. So that we could experience life in all of its fullness as those people around us. So then we ask, okay, go along with that of why we should obey these commands, but, but how? Well, first of all, we must become knowledgeable. Have you ever been pulled over for a, a ticket for speeding and you didn't know what the speed limit was? I did one time. I was over in Houston driving on Bay Area, and I was driving, I thought, a pretty normal speed and was pulled over. And I told the guy, I said, man, can I have a warning? I mean, I didn't know what the speed limit was. And he said, there were two signs back there that were your warning. (laughs) And then he gave me the ticket. You see, if you don't know what the speed limit is, you're not sure if you're in or out. And if we don't know what the commands are, we don't know if we're being compliant or not. So we must become knowledgeable of the commands, but more importantly, we must follow the process that Jesus has given us. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Just real easy. 
Remember we said two categories, love God, love others. All the commands filter into those two columns, and most of those are about loving others. And the process for doing that is to deny ourself and follow Jesus. So we don't just become knowledgeable about the commandments. We must follow Jesus to have the power to actually carry them out. And today we're going to be looking at the process. Jesus said, this is a command, not a suggestion. His command was, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. To know him, to follow him, and to become like him. If you recall the early church in Antioch, in Acts chapter 11, verse 36, the very first time, 26, excuse me, 11, 26 was the first time that they were called Christians. And it was really a derogatory term. It wasn't like they were saying they are little, like little Christ, they, they act like him. It's that they're trying to act like Christ. That's what Christian means, little Christ. And that's what Jesus ultimately wants us to do, to follow the commands are so that we will be like Christ. Would the world be a better place if everyone was like Jesus Christ? Sure it would. And that's the intent. Godliness comes from following Jesus, but that doesn't happen until we decide who the leader of our life will be. You see, if we're leading our life and we're calling all the shots in all the directions, then we have a problem. Jesus isn't the leader. And godliness follows us following Christ. You see, we'll never become godly by negation. Gary Oliver has said that so well. We don't become godly by negation, meaning that we don't do certain things. Yeah, we don't do things as part of the process, but we must do something, and that doing something is following Christ. <clears throat> when I say deny yourself, denial is not the end game. It's not for us to say, okay, I'm going to deny myself, and I've accomplished what Jesus has called. Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, that's the end game. And if you want to do that, you must then deny yourself so that you can follow me. Does that make sense? Jesus has invited us to follow him where? To a better place. That's what David was writing about in Psalm 23. He talks about this beautiful, picturesque experience of a shepherd drawing his sheep to a better place. And that's what Jesus is saying. Follow me to a better place, a better way of life. But sadly, many have inverted that invitation. Rather than following Jesus, receiving his invitation to follow me, we have invited Jesus to follow us. And we remain the leader of our life and therein never accomplish what would, what would really bring us true happiness. In Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis discusses humility. And in his discussion of humility, he writes down that a truly humble man will not be thinking about himself at all. That's the part of denying yourself, is when you are thinking about other people rather than yourself. A humble man will not be thinking about himself at all. 
Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and I warned you last week, and I'll warn you again today, just in case you're a little bit behind. I want to read to you something that Winifred Riley wrote. She specializes in relational issues, and she has written on the 35th anniversary of her marriage. She wrote 35 lessons I've learned in 35 years of marriage. As I read this, I think it will help us as we prepare for the coming week and what that might mean, but also it helps us to better understand this idea of denying yourself. Marriages are always better when both spouses are denying themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll never end up at a restaurant because they're saying, well, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? We've all done that. But it's denying our preferences. You know, I even heard somebody say on a podcast, which I thought was so insightful, that this is a very opinionated person that was talking. And his wife shared with him, you don't always have to share your opinion. Now, how many of us would say that we have an opinion about most everything? Mostly. And we don't have to share our opinion about everything. That's a part of denying yourself. So listen to uh, Riley's 35 lessons I've learned in 35 years of marriage. I've condensed it down to 10. Just kind of vetted it out. Most of your fights are living proof of your immaturity. The sooner you grow up, the happier you'll be. Number two, think about denial, self-denial. When you think you've tried everything, no, you haven't. Number three, give up all hope of being perfectly understood. Number four, many of the things you fight hard for will turn out not to have been worth the fight. Number five, pay attention to what you're doing to make things go badly and pay less attention to what your spouse is doing. Denying yourself. If you're going to, going to complain about something, come to the table with a suggested alternative. Number seven, disappointment is inevitable. Life gets a lot easier once you accept this. Number eight, if you want something, recognize that it's your job to ask for it. Don't expect your spouse to read your mind. Number nine, being happily married is not the same as living happily ever after. Number 10, marriage will teach you more about yourself than you bargained for and consider that a gift. Well, as we think about this concept, this demand, this mandate that Jesus has given us to deny ourself in all areas of life, deny ourselves, let's look at three examples in Scripture that help us to see that. Now, many of you go to YouTube to learn how to do things, right? You, you may go there for entertainment, but it is, it, is, it is really nice to be able to go to YouTube and see how to do things, maybe to assemble something or, or how to address a problem. And so I find it much easier. We're, we're kind of doing a YouTube of the Bible here today. We're going to, to several examples to see what it looks like to deny yourself, because we can talk about it all day long. Deny yourself, and you say, great, what does that look like? And the Bible gives us several examples that we'll address today. The first one is Jesus, the second is John the Baptist, and the third is the Apostle Paul. In Jesus' case, and of course, we're using John the Baptist and Paul because they're not Jesus. We can look at Jesus and say, okay, that's Jesus. But let's look at Jesus because this is how we are supposed to live. And when he was talking to the disciples, right before, right, I mean, right before he was going to die, 
he had to be so frustrated that they still didn't get it. And they're jockeying for position about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And if you want to be the greatest, then you're going to be the servant of all. And then in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he summarizes it by saying, here's the example. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's a picture of denying yourself. You come to serve other people and not to be served. And the epitome of that is described a few chapters over in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, in which Jesus is crying out to God in the Garden of Gethsemane, using that very intimate term, Abba, Father. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. It's a picture of how he taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done above all else. And there's nothing inside of us that leans into that naturally. That's supernatural. We must have Jesus Christ abiding within us, living as Lord over our lives for us to have the power to do that. See, we live counterculturally to what Jesus said. We so often hear, follow your heart. Follow the feelings that you have, and that will guide you in the right direction. In 2018, Stacy Edwards was in a car accident with her daughters in which a woman ran a red light. Thankfully, everybody walked away from the accident with no residual injuries. 45 miles an hour being hit, going through an intersection when someone ran a red light, that's pretty miraculous. But what she found more puzzling was several days later when the police report came back, the woman who ran the red light and hit them filed to the report saying to the officer, I felt like the light was green. Now, that'd be a scary world to live in. But friends, that's the way so much of life is, is we can feel like something is right when it is dead wrong. Feelings are incredibly important. We shouldn't suppress our feelings and pretend like they're not there. We need to address our feelings, but recognize that feelings do not usurp facts. And that's why Jesus is saying, deny yourself, because you won't feel like doing that. So I'm calling you to a higher calling. And the truth is, when facts have the hierarchy and the truth has a hierarchy over feelings, that will lead to better emotional well-being. So Jesus gives us an example. Did he want to go to the cross? He wanted to redeem us, but he wished there was another way. His humanity was crying out for another way. And when God said no, he said, your will be done, and he submitted to that will. That's denying yourself and following after God. John the Baptist is another. In John chapter 3, verse 30, we read John explaining, and here's the deal. Know the context. Some of John's disciples had come to him and said, hey, wait a second, we got a problem. First Baptist is getting more people than we are. They're baptizing more. More people are going there. We have a problem. They're following this guy named Jesus. And John the Baptist explained, hey, I didn't come to make more converts than Jesus. I came to point people's attention 
to him, and he would say, he must become greater, I must become less. John's disciples were saying, we have a problem because the focal point seems to be shifting from you. You remember, people used to be flocking to the Jordan River for you to baptize them, and it seems as if the focal point is shifting over to this other guy. People are going there, they're not following you. You don't have as many likes as you used to. You're losing your followers. And John said, he must become greater, I must become less. Denying yourself means that the focal point shifts off of us and it shifts to Jesus. And when our focal point shifts to Jesus, then we will see others so much more clearly. Well, today is the Super Bowl, the latest Super Bowl ever in the history of humanity. And when you think back over all the years of the Super Bowl, you may have already heard this, that, you know, Super Bowl I can never be viewed again. Because Super Bowl I was recorded over with soap operas. It was a common practice back then in which you would take videotape and reuse it. And so Super Bowl I was taped over with soap operas, so you can't see it. When I thought about that, I thought, you know, that, that's really a picture of denying yourself. Is we all have this recording of our life that needs to be taped over with Jesus' life so people don't see us, but they see him. That's denying yourself. And that's what John the Baptist was saying. He must become greater. I must be taped over so all they see is him. And then how about the Apostle Paul? Deny yourself and follow me. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, wait a second. Who is this guy? This is a guy that used to be Saul, that was so convinced that Christianity was wrong, that he was following his heart, what he thought was right, and he was trying to exterminate the whole enterprise of Christianity. He was following his own leadership, and now he says, these decades later, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. I am no longer the guide to my life, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He is saying, I consider my life to be nailed to a cross dead. I am not the one to follow. Christ is the one to follow. And that's why he would say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's nothing better than Christ. I'm not, you're not, nothing better than Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, again, Paul is writing to some, some young Christians trying to explain to them this journey of denying yourself and following Christ. And he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That doesn't come natural. Only God can give us those kinds of, of, of directives. It can give us the power to do that. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. There's that whole idea. It's delineate, taking your mind out of the equation, deny yourself, and replace it with the mind of Christ, who, being in the very nature of God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. If anybody had reason to not deny themselves, it was Christ. Yet he humbled himself and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, as we just read about, your will be done. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What we're hearing from Jesus is this. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. You guys are going to be watching the Super Bowl. Some of you ladies will enjoy the commercials. That sounded sexist. I didn't mean to do this. Just most ladies don't like football. They just, I'm with you. Show us the 11 minutes that they're actually playing. But you'll see today that there's a coach on both sidelines, a head coach. There's other coaches that are auxiliary coaches, but using that as an example, let Jesus be the coach. Neither one of the teams that are in the Super Bowl today got there by not listening to the coach. Could you imagine the game tonight in which a play comes in and Joe Burrow says, that is the dumbest play I've ever seen. Guys, we're going to do something different. And they run a completely different play. Or his wide receiver standing on the line of scrimmage, ready to go out for a pass. The quarterback is called a particular play, but he just thinks that's a pretty bad route, so he's going to run his own route. The ball goes flying out of bounds or incomplete or intercepted. Turns around to hand the ball off to a running back, but he's decided that he wants to run to the right instead of to the left because those guys are smaller on the right side. Sometimes we run our lives like that. Jesus says, this is the play. Go forgive. I say, yeah, I'd, I'd really rather run to the other side, though. I really don't want to do that. And Jesus is calling us to deny ourselves for better outcomes. 24 years ago, Michelle and I came to Westgate. And in that process, it was a, it was a challenging experience, not because you weren't great people. Anybody would be insane not to be pastor of Westgate. But we were leaving a very difficult, it was difficult for us to leave the situation where we were. Yes, there were challenges, but we had built relationship and life with those people for 10 and a half years. And it was a much smaller congregation, and so some of those relationships meant a lot more time together. And as we were coming here, just facing the different challenges and the dynamics and just everything, there was a part of me that said, man, did I make a mistake? Some of you are still saying that, I know. But in the midst of all of that, I was, I was just trying to process this. And Sherry Fox was a member of the church at that point, and she shared a story with me that really became a, a milestone moment for me. She said there was this young girl that had this beautiful string 
of toy pearls. She loved those pearls. And every night, she would want to wear them as she would go to bed. And as her parents would come in to pray for her, her dad would say, you going to give me those pearls? She would always clutch them and hold them like he was going to take them away. And every night, the same little drill would continue, and she wasn't dare going to let go of her little toy pearls. And one night, her dad asked her, are you going to give me those pearls? And with tears coming down her eyes, she pulled the toy pearls off of her neck and handed them to her dad giving up her greatest treasure. He went in the other room and he came back and he opened up a box of authentic, real pearls and gave them to her in exchange. See, friends, that's much of life. We have the little toy pearls that we don't want to give up. That's denying ourselves. And God says, if you will give me those little toy pearls, I'll give you the real thing. That's what it means to deny ourselves and follow him. Philippians 2.13 has been a pivotal verse for us in this series. A reminder that God is at work in you. And friends, I hope you know that God is at work in you if you're following hard after him. And that he will give you the desire to obey him. All of his commands. And the power to do what pleases him. In this room, there may be somebody that has never received Christ as Lord and Savior. And maybe what I said didn't make sense it usually doesn't but hear this the thing you need to hear more than anything else is that God loves you and he has created you to have a relationship with him that's why Jesus came and we could never enter into a relationship with God because of our sinfulness no matter how hard we try our fake pearls will never become real pearls it's only through Jesus Christ giving us the gift of eternal and abundant life. We do that by humbly repenting of our sins and asking Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, become the Lord and Savior of our life, and completely surrendering our life to Him. If you've never done that, I pray that you would join me in a similar prayer to this and that you as Christians, if you've already prayed and received Christ and you're following hard after Him, pray that He would help you deny yourself because it's not a suggestion it's a command let's pray father thank you for the gift of eternal and abundant life that you have given us and the realization that as we see from your word that doesn't just happen it can only happen when we deny ourselves and follow after you to imitate you because the end goal is for us to live and love like you, to hear and respond as John the Baptist did, and recognize that what needs to take place most is you need to increase and we need to decrease. If anyone in this room or listening online has never entered into a relationship with you, I pray that they would pray a prayer similar to this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. 
I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have. And I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, thank you for the gift of eternal and abundant life. And may we allow you and your lordship to direct every step and move of our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you all. Thanks for listening. And you may have made a decision during this time of, of worship. And know that if you would like to get more information, you can certainly use this communication card and drop it in the box, and we'll be in touch with you this week. Maybe something you want to talk about right now, you can meet me over at the cross in just a minute when we sing, or the Connection Center will be available out in the atrium after the service, and someone will be glad to help you with the decision. could be baptism, could be to receive Christ, could be to become a church member, could be to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. It may be that God is calling you into full-time Christian service. Whatever God is leading you to do, would you respond to him as we stand together and as we sing?
been a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And when Raymond said that he and Michelle came here 24 years ago, 24 years ago.